All right. So today we are interviewing Mario Sierra um, with Paramount Research Network. And he is my business strategist. And he's my boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He is, he's got probably the best pedigree that I could ask for coming into this uh, as a business, uh, the business degree with uh, business and biochemistry background from UT. Okay, I'm not going to tell all about you. (laughs) I'm going to actually ask the questions. I like the intro though. Okay. Yeah, was it sharp? All right. So. So this is Mario Sierra. So we're going to talk about uh, how you got into research. Sure. So uh, I guess the first question that I somewhat answered was about your educational background. But tell me some more about that and kind of how how that bled into what where you are now. Sure. Um, so, yeah, as you said, um, I went to UT Austin. My major was biochemistry and my minor was business and also Spanish. So... Um, Throughout, throughout college, I'm, I'm very interested in science, but I'm also very interested in business. So when I was in college, I was always looking for an avenue to do the business side of science. And in my research about future careers and all that, clinical research really stood out because you're on, on operating on the cutting edge of science where you're, um, you're investigating new drugs, new devices, things that are going to be on the market in 10 years. Like everything you see on the market now was in trials 10 years ago. So that really interested me that we're working on the cutting edge. So um, after after I graduated UT, I tried a couple of different jobs. I worked for a pharmaceutical company and I wanted to transition into their research department, but that didn't really work out. So um, in my in my search, I found this one program called Clinical Research Fast Track, and they are kind of the the gold standard. They're becoming the gold standard for training people to operate in clinical research. So it's a how many hours was it? Probably 250 hours of training within four weeks. So it's a very crash course kind of thing. So normally it takes about two years to get to get your feet like stable and know what you're talking about kind of in research. So this was a very quick avenue to get myself prepared for it. So I went in and did this training. And during the training, uh, you meet, they bring in, they bring in um, field experts. So say one day is like a protocol training, another day is patient safety. So they're bringing in people that are operating in, they are doing this work right now. So it's a really good networking opportunity. And while I was in there networking, I met some people. I met my boss, Holly Bain, (laughs) with Paramount Research Network. And um, I immediately saw that she has a small company and I wanted to work on the business side of science, like I mentioned. And so I just made that connection and started working with her and I've been enjoying it so much since then. Um, another quick story on that. So as far as educational background, so I was also very serious about med school coming out. And so, I mean, traditionally people that um, you think at least traditionally that people that are doing healthcare are doctors and, and nurses and all that. But this is an avenue in to work in medicine where you're not on that path, where it's another not another 10 years of school and whatnot. And how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to become a doctor now with all the student debt crisis? Yeah. So um, when I was serious about med school, I tried a bridge program in high school where I um, was able to shadow a doctor. It was an orthopedic surgeon. And um, in that, I kind of learned that medicine is not the path that I want to take. <laughs> How'd you learn that? Yeah. So there was a very interesting story where the first the first encounter that I had in medicine was watching a surgery. And the surgery was a total knee replacement. Oh boy. And if you know anything about surgeries, that's kind of one of the most gruesome ones that's out there. Like they're... <laughs> 
they are going at it. (laughs) And I remember being in the OR and the smell of burning bone hit me at the pit of my stomach. And that was just so nauseating. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of like jarred me out of the, I guess, I mean, definitely surgery route. But while I was in the operating room, I was like, oh, that's a cool device. What are they doing that for? Oh, that's a cool drug. What are they using that for? So I'm definitely still interested in medicine, but it was not the traditional route of being a doctor that I took. So that's how I ended up in clinical research. Okay, nice. That's that's awesome. Um, and it's it's good to think about those uh, loans that you don't want to have. Mm. Um, and even, I think even physicians that do have those loans, I think that clinical research is a good side option to help pay that debt down. Yeah. Um, if you get going right out of the gate, probably have quite a few opportunities, even if you're just doing one study. Um, Definitely. Yeah, most doctors have to do research in med school. So as they come out, they can start picking up like side gigs and just right. easing into it. And then eventually they become like the, the head doctor on a trial and they can they can exactly. definitely make some good profit doing doing research in, as part of their clinic, as part of their practice. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so tell me, Maria, what's one thing that you wish you had known when you started out in clinical research? Yeah, that's a good question. So. Or what advice would you give someone starting out? Let's see. That might be a better way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, so definitely, I would tell I would tell people coming out of coming out of university, coming out of a bachelor's degree at least, take a year off and spend some time thinking about what you want to do in your career. Because jumping straight into master's degree or straight into, I mean, you don't go straight into a PhD, but straight into graduate work is kind of it's kind of the easy option because mm-hmm. you're already in school mode, so you just keep going and keep getting those degrees. But they come, they become more and more expensive and I would say kind of less and less significant if you're not sure what you want to do. I mean, if you know that you want to be a PhD in this specific topic, like go for it. But I would say that going out, getting out of college and going into the workforce, you learn a lot more doing a job and actually working than you do in school. So I would try as I would try as many jobs as you could for a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. And try and get your feet wet in the industry. And that gives you a lot of insight into what you like. And then if you see that uh, a certain a certain topic interests you, then you can go back and look at for master's programs in that. And another good option with that is that if you get to a point where your company wants you to have a higher degree, most of the time they'll pay for it. So that's the best. That's one of the best options as far as getting a master's or a graduate degree. Yes, that's so true. And I like what you said about um, kind of ruling things out, taking a year off to rule out, figure out what you want to do and not just be a professional student because mm-hmm. I know that that is actually the the easier route. A lot of people don't know what they want to do. When so they, they just stay. Yeah. I think that's a really good option for high school too. Getting out of high school, take a year off and then go travel, go go try working, go see what you like and that'll inform your decision about what you want to major in in college. And then people wouldn't have, for sure. we wouldn't have these huge dropout rates of students in college. I think the dropout rate's like 40% right oh, now no where people start and they don't finish because they're not passionate about it. They don't know where it's going to lead them. Mm-hmm. And so taking some time off to consider what I want to do and what I want my life to look like as far as career, career goes, because it's only one facet. But as far as career goes, you can have a better informed decision about um, what you're going to do. Yeah. Well, and I agree. I think that uh, I also think you said following your passion. That's so true. Like I, I wanted to go to dental school. I wanted to be an orthodontist, but mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't positive that I was going to go to dental school. I was just, I thought, well, that seems like a good option. Mm -hmm. 
um, and I had a pretty good in already, but uh, so the health science center here. What kind of woke you up from that then? What what made you say, no, this is not what I want to do? It was when my grandpa had cancer. Okay. My senior year of uh, college, right before I graduated. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he got cancer that, or he, he was diagnosed that uh, Thanksgiving that fall. And he, I mean, it was sudden and it was like, he had like eight weeks. Wow. And I remember I would drive home. I would, I would call him almost every night until mm. he couldn't talk anymore. Um, I would come home when he had blood transfusions and sit with him, wow. you know? Um, but I, I really, I wanted him to make it to my graduation. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling him that, but, uh, that was tough and it affected me. And I think that that, that made me think about the emotional reasons that I would want to be a dentist and there weren't a whole lot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, filling people's cavities definitely is like helping the community. Ideal. <laughs> <laughs> but the suicide rate is also high in dentists. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm just kidding. That's hilarious. I mean, kidding, not kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, I think that's that was a good point you made about mm -hmm. being passionate about what your major, even if you don't know, because I didn't know about clinical research. Mm -hmm. Did you when you're in college? No, not at all. I mean, it. When it's I was, so strange. I think people wait. I think um, people wait too long to think about career too. Whenever they're going through oh, yeah. school, like I started thinking about it maybe a month or two, the last semester before yes. I was about to graduate. I was like, I had to get serious about what I was going to do after graduation. So that's when all the research started happening. But people should definitely start sooner than that. <laughs> I was. It, it kind of worked out for me in the in the looking in hindsight. But people should definitely start planning. People should know, I guess, what kind of field they want to get into whenever they're whenever they're um, coming out with their bachelors. Yeah. Well, and at least explore what's possible in the field that you're passionate about. And if it's anything science and uh, helping people mm -hmm. and medical, then I think, uh, and if you have a, a knack for business, I think clinical research and opening up your own sites or your site ne a site network, uh, learning the ins and outs of that is really interesting yeah um yeah it's funny so at the end of this month i'm going to be on a panel at ut because i want to give this information back to people and the panel is called how to work in healthcare without being a doctor awesome. so clinical research is a great avenue for that so i'm going to be speaking to students that are in college right now like studying and giving them information about what other avenues there are besides being doctor and lawyer and just like the traditional past that you think about. Okay, and that's good because I'm tired of hearing about like, I wanna be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wanna be a photographer. <laughs> um, so let's see, um, how do you, this is kind of, this is kind of a little more uh, personal, but, uh, or ish, personal-ish. Mm -hmm. How do you structure your day to be most efficient? Mm -hmm. So what does a typical day look like for you? Sure. Um, so I like to start my day um, journaling. So I have this uh, planner that has a couple questions that I ask myself every day, and that helps me kind of set the intention for the day. And I'm thinking about what are the top priorities? What are the most, com what are the most important things I need to get done today? And I kind of plan out my day uh, mostly, I mean, by the 30 minute increments, if not to the hour, just thinking about kind of batching tasks, like, okay, I need to do this in the morning. This is, and so for me, my morning time is kind of my most efficient time. And then my afternoon time is more creative where I'm, I've already gotten the things done. And so then in the afternoon time, I can think about 
more like what's going on, what's going to happen in the future and how I want things to exactly how I want things to progress. So I kind of structure my day that way where I get things done in the morning because I'm I'm focused and I have my attention span there. And then in the afternoon, I give my time, give myself time to think about what things are going on and what plans we're trying to execute on. Okay. And so what are some things right now in um, like where you're at uh, with PRN mm-hmm. uh, that you are focusing on that you're trying to build up like uh, even long-term goals, short-term sure. goals or, or long-term goals? Yeah. So coming into this industry, one of the first things that I knew that I noticed is that um, this industry doesn't use software, but maybe to oh. 10% of its capability. So most of my job right now is taking one piece of information and putting it in 20 different softwares, like no lie. So <laughs> they, they want, they want, let's say the ALT numbers, which is like a liver, a liver enzyme. So this ALT number, I collect it from the blood sample and it comes to me on a lab report. And then I have to put that number from the lab report into 20 different softwares because they want it redundant in that many ways. Or, I mean, there's, there's lots of different players in, in, um, in research. So each one has to be, has to be reported to. So that's the majority of my job. So let's see. So to combat that, I've been kind of trying to, trying to find solutions that solve that for me where it's like, I mean, I've even thought of creating our own software where all these other systems query my software for mm-hmm. that one piece of information, because that's exactly what software is intended to do is to <sighs> distribute information and make it right. easier for systems to communicate. And um, so, I mean, I would I said that this industry doesn't use software, but to 10% of its capability, but there's also a caveat to that where there's so many softwares out there that don't communicate with each other that it just creates more more it creates more redundancy it creates more chaos yes. like there's there's more they don't communicate with each other on the back yes. end so it makes it more difficult to do my job and so i've been kind of approaching it trying to find softwares that are scalable trying to find softwares that are open like that have the open model where they can communicate with others and um, just try and make those integrate those into our business where um, when we're taking on more studies and have more volume that it's uh, it makes our job easier as opposed to more difficult Sure, sure. Um, and give me, maybe give me an example of uh, some of the solutions that are one of the solutions mm-hmm. that you found, like sure. uh, for either for the site as an, you know, the site network as mm-hmm. a whole, um, a solution for that or like sure. for centralizing documents sure. uh, or for each site, whatever. Yeah. So I guess I should elaborate a little bit. So a site network is, um, so the business model is that we embed our business model inside of a clinic that's already operating and we recruit from that patient population. And then we also run the study. So say we find a GI doctor that wants to do a Crohn's disease study. So PRN will embed ourselves in their clinic and then we start going over their electronic medical records to see what type of patients would qualify in conjunction with the with the clinic staff and then um, we screen patients we enroll them in studies and then we follow them throughout the whole process so um, that's how our business model operates and we can do that at multiple different sites at the same time so one of the solutions that I found is called slope and what this what the software does is it allows you to so um, in doing research, there's like a bunch of, I guess, um, consumables that we use. So they're like lab kits where you have um, different lab draws where you're drawing blood and that 
we would do that at multiple different sites. So what Slope does is is allows me to upload that inventory to the cloud, basically, where I'm able to track it remotely as opposed to being at the site. Mm. And I really love it because it's scalable. So mm -hmm. we have it at one site right now. And if I once we start getting more sites going, it's all going to be on this on the one on the one piece of software on Slope. And it gives you alerts and it gives you just so many different um, so options. like expiration dates and expiration stuff. dates okay. things so like that you can that. see that from remotely yes basically so it's anywhere. an inventory tracking system and i know that doesn't mm -hmm. sound very woohoo like it's <laughs> it's uh they have existed for a long time but in this industry they are not being used and so right. that's one of the first things that i wanted to um, implement into prn's business model nice i like that mm -hmm. um i think another one that that maybe we could talk about is blue cloud one of our newer um, and big players, uh, tell me more about that because you're the one that kind of brings on all my business techie <laughs> young yeah. stuff. So blue cloud. Yeah, that's a good one. So, um, there, there are a, a cloud network where you, um, they're more so for the training aspect of research. So anybody that's operating on a clinical research study, they have to be, um, appropriately trained. There's certain certifications like GCP, good clinical practice, or IATA, which is um, uh, shipping dangerous goods. There's lots of different trainings that people need to to be able to say that they are qualified to run a research study. So what Blue Cloud does is it allows you to upload all those certificates onto one place. And what I can do is send my my site a link, and they can upload all the documents that they need there. And so it's not we're not chasing paper. We're not saying, hey, sign this, sign this, sign this. So um, nice. Trying to change the doc, chase the doctor, chase the study coordinator, yeah. chase the research assistant, whoever I have on the staff. So they're all uploading their documents into a central location. And another good part is that um, Blue Cloud, they market that to the pharmaceutical companies and the other players in research where they know that our site is already qualified. They have the paperwork that they need and they're not asking me for the paperwork. They can just go to the cloud. It's kind of like sharing a it's kind of like sharing a file on on Box or sharing a file on Google mm -hmm. Drive with somebody where they know um, all the qualifications that my site has already. Okay, and it's all HIPAA certified and secure and encrypted, all that monkey For sure. business. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's yeah, there's regulations behind that. There's 21 CFR Part 11 where mm -hmm. everything has to be um, secure. Yeah, so there's there's lots of regulations that go behind that, and Blue Cloud meets all these regulations, so we can definitely implement it into our research model. Okay, so that would that in turn makes it easier to, uh, as a site network, to rep uh, single sites to pharma companies, um, to pharma companies, and uh, and let them have the like fill out these feasibility questionnaires. And say, oh, here, you know, I have all the documents you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So instead of filling it out manually, I'll just be like, here's a link, and go look yeah. at go look at who I have on yeah. this website. Cause... And you approve that one person. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, well, that sounds good. A final question for you, Mario, is if you could change one thing to improve the healthcare system right now, what would it be? That's a great question. If there's one thing I could do to change the healthcare system, it would be setting a price for everything so right now when you go into the hospital you you get your say it's an iv bag and there's so there's multiple different private insurances that are in play and also medicare which is kind of like the standard insurance option but when i go into the hospital and i get a certain procedure um, depending on which insurance i have it's going to be a different price and i think that's kind of out of whack like everything needs a set price so if i'm having right. a 
if I'm having a appendectomy, which is removing my appendix, then it needs to be a certain price. And that would set a standard across the industry where um, some people, I mean, there, we go into like healthcare costs and all that and high deductibles, like it would be a standard, it just, it would set a standard and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't exist right now. And I think having a good base would make sure that the system is stable and moving forward we wouldn't have these trillion trillion dollar healthcare costs and people people dying from unable right being unable to access healthcare right okay i think that's good that's awesome all right thank you mario for uh letting me interview you and talking about your road to being in clinical research awesome thanks for having me holly uh-huh bye bye